The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. When we open up the scriptures, we read something from one of the Gospels, maybe Zacchaeus here, and as Christians, when we read those passages, we can always understand them in multiple different ways. The scriptures are divinely inspired, which means that one sentence of scripture is saying many things at once, and that's very clear in this gospel of Zacchaeus up in the tree. So I figured I would sort of do a little biblical dive into this passage and sort of uh, show what the scriptures are saying, not just to the time of Jesus, but to us today. There's not a lot of artwork about uh, this moment when Zacchaeus was up in a tree and Jesus passed by. There's an ivory carving from the 5th century on a tomb, and uh, I figured I would use it today briefly just because it, it does show us that the first Christians that this passage about Zacchaeus was important to them. So in this ivory carving, it's on a tomb, so it kind of has something to do with eternal life. It's Jesus who is coming out of his tomb, and that's Mary Magdalene who's sort of coming to him with her arms outstretched. And if you see the little circle in red above the hands of Mary Magdalene, there's Zacchaeus up in a tree. And on this particular tomb, they, they carved out images of Jesus who called people by name. When he came out of the tomb and Mary Magdalene was there, she was confused as to who he was and she was kind of walking away and Jesus says, Mary, and she turns around. Jesus also called Lazarus out of the tomb. Lazarus, come out. He called him by name and, and that's the image right above Zacchaeus in this ivory carving. And then Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Being 
called by name by Jesus was a powerful experience for those first Christians. And those Christians that wrote the stories in the gospel, like Matthew, he makes sure he puts in that moment when Jesus called him by name. John in his gospel talks about, it was four in the afternoon, he said, when Jesus called him to follow him. So there was something powerful in this reality that Jesus had come to earth and he knew us by name and he wanted us to follow him. Now, if we go into the story of Jericho a little bit, Jericho is not exactly uh, a place where you would find the great saints of the time of Jesus, right? That might be more like in Jerusalem. Jericho was sort of the Las Vegas of the Holy Land, you could say. It wasn't a holy place. And uh, yet Jesus wasn't going to pass by. He wanted to go into that town and to call those back to salvation. And there's not uncommon to think of a, of a town like Jericho that you would find a man like Zacchaeus who had uh, abandoned his faith, who had turned his back on his family, who was helping the Romans, and he was taking more from taxes than he was supposed to. And on top of that, he was a short little man, which if you just think about it, he probably had a lot of nicknames that weren't too nice in Jericho about him, right? He wouldn't have been many people's friend. And uh, because of his short stature, he went to the sycamore tree. Now, I kind of did a little deep dive into sycamore trees over the week because I knew in the Bible, if they throw out something like there's a sycamore tree, it's going to mean something more than just a sycamore tree. Well, the sycamore trees were often planted in near roadsides because they had a lot of shade. Right? You could rest under a sycamore tree. But there's a symbolism of Zacchaeus climbing a tree, and for the first time in his life, he meets Christ. Biblically, trees are important. In the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, remember Adam and Eve were standing by a tree, and that's when they chose to reject God by eating the fruit from that tree. And at a tree, we all lost our salvation. And then many centuries later, Jesus, on a tree, would die for us so that we could have back our salvation. So for the Bible, being at a tree is a profound moment to encounter God and to encounter your own salvation. But there's something a little bit more about a sycamore tree. It kind of has a fruit on it that's like a fig. And for the, in the time of Jesus, or even before, remember, perhaps you've remembered the prophet Amos. In the Old Testament, when Amos the prophet, he presents himself, he says he's a dresser of sycamore trees, or he takes care of sycamore trees. And what that meant was, at the harvest season, the little figs on a sycamore tree, they would have to be punctured in order to bear fruit. In fact, this is actually Pliny the Elder. Not that I read books like this, but he's a Roman historian who wrote all kinds of tidbits of history. And he writes that to make the fruit eatable, each fruit must be punctured with a sharp instrument. And then three days later, the fruit would be ripe and you could eat it. All right. Seems like just a little 
piece of history that's not that important, but if we think of Jesus who was punctured and pierced on a tree and three days later he rose from the dead, the sycamore tree takes on a new meaning. And for us today, what the Bible is saying, if you want to find Christ, you will find him on the cross. And each one of us here has a cross in our life or multiple. Perhaps it's, it's a family issue or a difficulty or in a relationship or some health or mental health cross that you're carrying. We all have them. And the temptation we have as human beings is often to run away from them. But the gospel today tells us if you embrace that cross and you bring God into that pain in your life, perhaps you will have a profound experience like Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus comes down from that tree and he welcomes Jesus into his home. And the story doesn't end there. It's because Zacchaeus is not a good man. It wasn't enough to just see Jesus. Zacchaeus welcomed him and then Zacchaeus stands up and in front of everyone he professes his new faith that he's going to make amends it's kind of like scrooge right after the night is over and he's going to make amends that moment for zacchaeus of publicly professing his faith was the moment then jesus says to him something so powerful and salvation has come to this house now, like all things in Scripture, it means two things at least, right? Salvation has come to Zacchaeus. His, he, he has saved his soul. And that is the mission of Christ. Christ came to save souls. That's our mission here, to save souls. We don't always say that, right? We often maybe think of our Christian vocation is to be nice and to recycle, and to be good stewards. It's so much more than that. And then that second meaning, who is salvation with a capital S? Jesus. Walking into Zacchaeus' home, truly salvation is entering into that home. And so while the gospel is inviting us to find Jesus on our cross, it's also inviting us to make Jesus a part of our home and our life. There are many ways we can do this. When we can, like Zacchaeus, stand up and publicly profess our faith. One of them, for example, is, is on our day of confirmation. Our young people here who are getting ready for that moment when you will stand up and profess your faith in Christ. Every married couple here at some moment, you stood up in, in the church and you professed your faith and you promised to love your spouse with the love of Christ, a love that gave himself completely for us. Those are big moments, but there's also little moments when we have to remember to profess our faith. Perhaps it's just in the break room at work when someone makes a mockery of Christianity. And it's easy to just sort of laugh along and pretend like you didn't hear it, but it might be a moment to say, actually, I'm a believer. My faith means something to me. You don't have to throw it at someone or use it as a weapon at someone, but at least not back down from that moment. And it can be hard because you might be the only one doing it, and Christians too often were a little bit afraid to profess our faith. But my invitation today is to let your faith shine. 
our little tree in the back, it's growing with all those little gold leaves on it. That commitment card is a simple way of saying yes to your faith, to say like Joshua in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a beautiful way to encourage all of us, right, as a community, that for us, our faith means something and that all of us are welcoming salvation into our homes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.